And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Costa Macris, the founder of ETLetstalk.com, the People's Disclosure Movement, the People's Love Alliance, and the Global CE5 Initiative. Costa is an international networker and creative artist working on behalf of harmonious relations between all life forms. Costa, thank you for joining me today and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. It's it's a pleasure to be here and to meet you and your audience. Costa, how did you get involved in spiritual activism in the first place? I was a child of the 60s, uh, a phrase you don't hear much anymore. Mm-hmm. But back then, um, as a young teenager, uh, there was an opening uh, in the U.S. and parts of the Western world of many spiritual things, many coming from the East, yoga, meditation, ancient texts, uh, uh, gurus and all that. And as part of that generation, I was totally open to that and was reading widely on metaphysical topics, taught myself astrology. Uh, and I had this yearning all my life to uh, to know what we're all about. You know, I'm, I'm sure many people here can relate to that. Uh, at, at any age, I would look up at the stars and just wonder, you know, are we alone? And I would feel a tug out there like, wow, what a beautiful universe. I want to be out there. And so my interest in space and what I'm doing right now with star people and ET contact really is bound up together with my interest in spirituality. They were pro- progressing in, in the same, uh, alongside each other, because I believe that, you know, this is a spiritual universe animated by love. And therefore, I wanted to contact other cosmic beings from other places and 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 visit those other places and meet new life forms kind of you know my mantra was like uh captain kirk's opening of star trek you know to seek out new life forms to boldly go where no man has gone before etc uh that really defined me and so many other people that i knew and uh so in my childhood that seed was planted and and it grew spirituality interest in cosmic things and I kind of uh, set all that aside to pursue what I call a conventional lifestyle. Although what's conventional anymore uh, is is probably a subject for debate. But back then things were uh, a lot more predictable with what was handed to us. I went to university, uh, got a degree in computer science, a minor in math. Uh, I love all that stuff. And I came out to the West Coast here in San Francisco and the Bay Area and had a career for almost 40 years as a software consultant in the Silicon Valley. You know, you know, it was, it was a nice uh, profession to have. Along the way, I, uh, again, was very conventional. I got, got married here, bought a home, had children, got divorced, got remarried uh, to my current wife, uh, now Hollis Polk, uh, who's part of a story I may be able to, to tell all of you later on. But um, it wasn't until 2006 Oh, and here I am telling you like my origin story. I don't know if that's what you were wanting, but uh, the um, the childhood interest, you know, let's say that the child is the father or the mother of the man or the woman uh, applies to me because it was in my later years that my childhood interests really blossomed from those early seeds of, of interest. And that led me to where I am right now, you know, talking with you and 
uh, running an international community since uh, 2006 uh, of people making contact. So there's a narrative, there's a story there. But what really launched that was in 2006, when I got on the internet and looked up, uh, tried putting the word UFO into a Google, Google search or any search engine, and it's like drinking from a fire hose. You don't know where to start. Back then, it was like that. And I found a group of people in uh, Northern California, Mount Shasta, a beautiful mountain about uh, uh, four hours uh, north of uh, where we are here in the San Francisco Bay Area. These people were learning how to make their own contact interactive to initiate it. They were calling it Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, or CE5, as opposed to CE1s through 4, which are passive. Something happens to you that an a StarCraft or whatever shows up. And CE1 through 4 describe various degrees of engagement or types of engage, engagement that can be made. But it's like you didn't ask for that. It happened to you, and you just get to describe it and put a label on it. With CE5, that's all flipped where we're the active participants. We use our consciousness, our hearts, our imaginations, our group energy, if we have a group, and we initiate the contact with star people. Quite a different thing than being passive and waiting all your life and hoping maybe something will happen. And that was the world that I stepped into in 2006. I asked my wife, would you like to come with me for six nights? Uh, I'm a little, I have a little bit of fear because of the science fiction I was into when I was a kid, where most of the stories don't end well, you know, they involve conflict and people being eaten by aliens and being scared and all that. So I had a little bit of that in me, but mostly I was excited, like, oh my God, I can contact one of these myself because I knew people who had had close encounters, people that I trusted like the girlfriend of, of my brother who told me a full-on story of a craft on a rural road back in Indiana that came over her car and the engine died and the thing was hovering above her. It's like a Steven Spielberg thing, exactly that kind of thing with you know red lights underneath, uh, no noise, and it had been zipping around as she followed it and it was shining a light down on her and nothing happened. She wasn't harmed uh, after a few minutes it just went up and zipped away and actually kept following her heart car till she got home. But my point is, I knew people that were having these up close and personal experiences. So I knew it was a real thing. But until that week that I spent at Mount Shasta, where I invited my wife to come and try this new thing of human initiated contact, until that week, nothing had happened to me. And this is a really critical thing I wanted to let your audience know when when you have your own encounter, trust yourself, don't let anyone talk you out of it. Um, you know, you're the expert. And when it's up close and personal with you, then you get the choice of uh, do you hold it in suppress it? And there are good reasons for why people may want to do that. Do you stand on a rooftop, grab a megaphone, <laughs> and start shouting to the world, listen to what happened to me? or someplace in between, some continuum of all that. Um, because of that week, I had three experiences with a group of 40 other people in Mount Shasta that put me clearly in, in the, the part of that continuum of, oh my God, I've got to do more with this. I'm not going to be shy. I'm going to tell my story because I know what happened. I've experienced it with many people all this week. My wife had an encounter who's not even here, and I can talk about that too. 
all of that put together, that week changed my life. And again, that's why we're having this conversation, because I decided I'm an ordinary person. Um, all I did was do some meditation with people, sit outside, you know, all wrapped up in the cold and all that. And I was watching flashing lights in the sky that we determined were not uh, explainable. And you learn how to do that, what's real, what's not real up there. Um, so all week I was having those experiences and then I had my up close and personal experiences and, you know, that sealed the deal in terms of, you know, this stuff is real and I want to do more with it. Uh, and I've got the internet as a tool, want to form a community, teach other people, synchronize our efforts, create a group field of welcome. And that's what we've been doing uh, in the People's Disclosure Movement since, since I really dove into it in 2010. Uh, every month we've had hundreds, if not thousands of people joining us, and we're still doing it now every month uh, all over the world, creating that group field and having all kinds of experiences, people sending videos, pictures, describing their experiences. Um, it's going on and on and on. And so that's where we are right now in the ET Let's Talk community and the People's Disclosure Movement. And by the way, the People's Disclosure Movement has at least a million people or more across the planet who are into this in one way or another. So it's a thing, you know, it's not just you and a couple of your friends that you have to kind of whisper about a craft you saw or something you contacted. There really is now a community and there are many networks within networks within networks of people who are making contact and continue to do that. And again, there's a backstory to why that network was created initially um, in 2010 uh, and the label it's called the people's disclosure movement. Um, and it's a real thing. We're changing history. Costa, let's jump right into it. You brought some photos and video. And so can you tell us about them and show them to us? Yes, I did. Um, I love it when we're able to capture something on video or photographs, because we always try to debunk uh, what we see. And, and the reason is, you know, you don't want to be foolish. You don't want to be uh, to yourself or to anybody else. So I just want to preface all this by saying what I'm about to show you, we've already gone through a process, myself and my friends who experienced it, of saying, could it have been this, 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 this? Let's try to explain it away. And we couldn't in the end. So what I'm going to show you is what we believe is genuine. And in this People's Disclosure Movement, by the way, just because I say this was our experience. I emphasize to people, you don't have to believe me. Uh, put it into your higher self, whatever you believe in, inwardly. If something doesn't resonate with you, then you follow your guidance and walk away. If what I'm doing and show you does resonate, then please contact me and join our community because you've got thousands, millions of friends who want to talk about it. So this first video um, is from a retreat that I held in October of 2017 in uh, Southern California and Joshua Tree. Uh, there's a lot of desert down there and it's it's very famous. Um, we had a six day retreat. We still hold those in different parts of, of the US. During the retreat, we spend six nights as a small group because I like smaller groups better, maybe 15, 20 people sitting under the stars practicing our contact. And we do have lots of experiences. Sometimes we're allowed to capture them on video. And what you're going to see is one time when the star people did not shut down our equipment or make our batteries drain right away so that we would not have video because they're in charge of that. And 
prior to the video you're about to see, we had caught them on the ground and we were videoing them, but the batteries died repeatedly. Uh, so they were suppressing that, but here's what happened. In the low in the low western desert sky, I and the others watched two craft uh, approaching each other like this. They looked like they were on a collision course. And when they got like this, they circled each other. And then they pulled apart and they hovered for a few minutes. What you're going to see now is the part where they had just pulled apart and they started hovering. And we're all sitting there in the desert reacting. And what you're also going to see is the uh, this was taken with an iPhone by my friend Mike uh, Merberg, uh, who allowed us to, to use this, uh, this clip here. Uh, it's very short, but you're watching us react to having watched these things do this. And, you know, no helicopter is going to do that. Uh, no satellite's going to do that. Circle each other, then pull apart, and and they allowed us to take the video here. So let's um, let me share the screen here. There we go. Yeah, again, this is Joshua Tree, October 18, 2017. Two hovering starships. Here we go. It should be a little bit uh, below. There you go, by now. Uh, so to the right. Yeah, it should be right about there. I was watching it with the night vision. I'm trying to fumble out my monops now. Is there anyone not see that? How far do you think these ships are from you? In the night, we just cannot tell. Uh, I would love to know that answer. Uh, how big, how far, because you can triangulate. You can do some map if you have a couple of the uh, the facts like that. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. However, two nights before, another one just looking like that was, I believe, on the ground about a half a mile from us because I sighted it, I measured it using some geometry with the width of my finger and I was watching it. It was there for many minutes. It would tip up and down so that it could show us that all of its lights, I think it was the edge on view we saw of the flashing lights. It would tip up and down like that, again, near the ground. And I did the math on that because I knew it was near the ground and I could, like I say, use some visual sighting, um, plug in the numbers and the formula. I figured it was about a half mile away, and it was a maybe a few hundred feet in length. Um, and I believe me, I did and redid my math like I want to be sure about this. You mm -hmm. know, that's what I came up with. Uh, whether my numbers are right, I don't know. I think they are. The fact is that it did, though it was there. The whole group saw it. Like I say, it was tilting up and down to let us know, like. This is a structural thing. All the lights moving together like this. You know, you're not just seeing a couple of people with a flashlight wildly waving or something. It wasn't that at all. So in that case, a couple of nights before what you saw here is was us experiencing that particular uh, craft. And then these two came along. Can you and put again, they allowed us to to video this. We were just gobsmacked. Can you put it back up and pause it for just a moment? Sure. So it's interesting that these ships are long. 
you know, a lot of times when you see video of UFOs at night, you just kind of see like one light, like one circular light, right? To me, you know, you have some big lights and then you have some small ones. It's almost like you're looking in windows, perhaps. Yeah, I, um, I submitted, um, I did an interview with another person like yourself a few days ago, and we talked about this too. And he asked for me to send this video to him, which I have, because he wanted to do some kind of enhancing. He's he's good with different equipment mm -hmm. because he thought there would be a structure behind these lights. If you're looking at something that's like edge on, then maybe there's, uh, by using some photographic enhancement, you could actually see the outlines of a ship. So I'm waiting to hear back from him whether he was successful in in figuring out if, you know, if if there's a body there, not just the lights. But to your point, you're right. This is a whole row of lights, not one but two of them. Mm -hmm. Have you had this video vetted by any type of expert? Not so far. Uh if someone wants to step up, just please contact me. Thank you for showing that. No, thank you for the the discussion here. It's uh this is my life, you mm -hmm. know, when we have a lot of experiences that live on in our memories and some photographs here and there. Uh, when you can capture something on video, it's especially special uh, because I can show to other people, this is what I do. This is what happens sometimes when, when we're really successful and it makes it fun and you want more. Now, when you're there and you see stuff like this, is everybody like getting excited and like you know giddy and really pumped up yeah yeah even after many years of doing this sometimes we jump out of our chairs when someone says look look over there we're up out of our chairs because mm -hmm. we're sitting in a circle under the sky out of our lawn chairs and they give us the coordinates all eyes are there we're all standing up and pointing and commenting yeah it's it's really a great group bonding experience and at the retreats where i do this i especially value something like this that an entire group can see because often two people will see something and by the time they point it out and give you the coordinates everyone's craning their heads and turning around it's gone it's been a flash bulb or something that just zipped by and did a zigzag then it's gone but in this case when it lasts long enough everybody's up they have a chance to train their eyes on it and they have a chance then to react and then the buzz just starts happening because i like to create that kind of group um group buzz, group unity. People will walk away from that and going, I went to a retreat and I and a bunch of other people, my new friends, we experienced this in common and we were all elevated and lifted. And there's even some controversy sometimes and people see different things. Some may say, well, it was flashing blue. No, it wasn't. It was flashing yellow. You know, it's all parts of a jigsaw puzzle, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, we see and perceive different things because we're, we, we too are instruments as human beings, right? With our five senses or our six senses, whatever. And everybody has something to contribute to, to a sighting like this when it's long enough that you can sit there and just take it in and have a conversation with others. How do you think the aliens are able to communicate with you or how are they reaching your signal of meditation? Telepathy. I believe is the universal language um, with many encounters that I and others have, there can and often is a telepathic component. Someone will get a message and say to the rest of the group, my God, I, I just heard something. It's and then, then they'll relate it to the group. So telepathy gets into our brain and it turns into words, into whatever language we're speaking. I, I don't pretend to understand 
that psycho-spiritual component of things. But but telepathy works. Uh, for example, I was talking about the earlier the the ship that we saw that was near the ground that I tried to measure with my math and all that. My wife was a, a really professional, actually clairvoyant uh, for many years, got a telepathic message from that ship on the ground or from whoever, the navigator, the captain, I don't know what they have, but she got a message. And they said to us, so they said to her, we will be back later between 1215 and 1245. This was AM. Um, it was getting on in the morning there. But it will be different. And so a few minutes later, that ship was gone. It just phased out. And we waited around. Normally, we would disperse at midnight and have everyone go to bed. It's a long day. But at this point, they said, okay, 1215 to 1245, we're going to wait. We waited, and about 1243, in the opposite part of the sky, up on a mountaintop above the town of Yucca Valley on a mountain range, we saw a light flashing there. And it signaled. It flashed a few times at us. And that's what they meant. They, they kept their time frame, as they said, and they said it'll be different. They wasn't near the ground in the southerly direction. They had changed positions over the town of Yucca Valley, right on the ridge of a mountaintop. And they flashed at us from there for a few minutes. And like I said, that was different. And then they were gone again. So that communication in a telepathic way uh, allowed us to experiment. They followed through on what they said within the time frame, and that, that would be different. So put that all together, and it's a, it's an experience. All right. What other pictures do you have to show us? All right. Uh, we'll do away with that. During that same week, the other experience I had was that um, one of the three that I had was that uh, I discovered that people were seeing, starting to see orbs in pictures, like one or two would show up. Uh, we in the group would take pictures of each other in this clearing where we were making our contact with Mount Shasta in the background. Um, and someone showed me a picture and they said, look. And I said, what's that? They said, there's two orbs with me. And I go, what are those? Well, they're starting to uh, appear in pictures from what people say when we do these kinds of meditations. Some people say they're they're earthbound interdimensional enemies, enemies, uh, entities, <laughs> not enemies, scratch that, entities. And some people say they're star people. We don't know, but they're, there's something new and it's happening. And I said, I'd like one of those. Uh, would you take a picture of me? So I stood in the clearing in the background with the, with the forest. They took a picture, nothing. So I was a little bit disappointed. It was just me going, no, nothing. And then I thought, well, let me try again. And this time, uh, as I'm posing, just before my friend clicked the shutter, um, I just had this spontaneous inspiration. And in my mind, silently, um, well, first I put my hand over my heart spontaneously. And I, in my mind, I said, I love you. Would any beings of light who are on planet or off planet, you're invited to join me in this picture. I love you. And then I just go, ta-da, you know, a little bit of whimsy. And my friend clicked the shutter. So what you're about to see is... Uh, me right at that point going ta-da and the response to my request for beings of light to show up uh, is this uh, let me get it that's an amazing amount of orbs 
I've seen others that are just like this that people will occasionally send me. So it's a thing. And your audience should know that being scientifically minded, myself, you know, computer science, left brain kind of guy who wants to debunk stuff mm -hmm. and uh, especially my stuff, because I'm out there in the community and what I want to present, I want to be sure as sure as I can be that I'm presenting something that's real and truthful because, you know, integrity matters. Mm -hmm. Not to everybody, as I've been finding out in this field, but it does matter to me. So looking at this, um, a few friends and I, again, scientifically oriented people with different digital cameras, we tried to reproduce this ourselves. There's volcanic dust down here. We threw the dust up in the air, took pictures, different angles. That's not what we saw. That didn't happen. Um, it wasn't raining. There was no humidity in the air. So these were not dust particles. This was not lens flare or anything like that. So we couldn't reproduce it. We couldn't debunk it. And so I presented, and people are free to believe what they want to about it. But um, this was my experience. And uh, I've never had it repeated quite like this before. But I have had some of that, some portions of that happen at other times, other places. Now, there weren't that now, many bugs out, were there? Or or bugs. Yeah, there weren't. Uh, we've been in the field when there are bugs. They bite you. They're buzzing around. Um, and when you shine your lights on them, you can see them in the air. You know, you shine a flashlight, like outward, it, it illuminates them. Um, yeah, those are bugs. That's not what was happening. We didn't see any of that. I took this picture uh, back home and... Um, in a, in a session with my spirit guides, because yes, all of us have guides, and uh, I admit that I have mine. And in a conversation with them, I asked them, uh, was this you? Was this an authentic picture? And my the response to me was, yes, uh, I have guides on planet and off planet, and I'm not the only one. I don't claim to be special. I just claim that I uh, I'm aware of it, and I celebrate it. But they said, yes, that was us. We want to let you know, uh, we want you to keep a hard copy of this picture in your pocket. And whenever you feel alone, uh, depressed, down, pull it out and look at it. And remember, you're never alone. And so in that same spirit, when someone joins etletstalk.com, um, as a free member, commercial, um, I send a picture like this as a reminder to everyone who's coming into the community that none of us is really ever alone. I just happen to have been lucky enough in my mind to, to get a picture so that I can be reminded of, uh, of that when, whenever it is I need a little bit of a boost. And believe me, I have used it, you know, human like everybody else. Uh, you know, there's ups and downs. And every now and then I'll look at that and I'll go, oh, yeah, God, that was magical. You know, thank you, folks. So that was their advice. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Can you tell us about the very first time you saw a UFO, and how did you react? Were you just like, my gosh, this is actually real? Yeah, it happened that same week. Uh, that was one power-packed week. Um, I um, I don't remember which night. It was several nights into our six our the six days of our retreat and in the same area here that you see in this picture uh, it's a secluded area with a clearing and surrounded by forest and if you can imagine this in the background there's majestic mount shasta 
snow-capped and a beautiful dark sky full of, of stars in a, in a semi-rural setting. Um, so one night after we finished our sky watch, and we'd had a good night, uh, as usual, uh, about nine or ten of us still hung around. Everyone else got in their cars, went back to their hotel rooms. And as we were talking there in the clearing, uh, actually nearby to where I'm, you see me standing in this picture, uh, we had been we were talking about what had happened that night, you know, kind of reviewing, you know, before heading home. Suddenly, someone tugged at my sleeve and pointed off to my right, might have been six, seven, eight feet away, not much further, at the edge of the clearing. And what I saw there, I, I had to rub my eyes and look hard and make sure it wasn't the setting moon, like throwing shadows, you know, along the leaves or doing something weird. But what I'm about to describe was its own thing. It wasn't an artifact of the environment or anything else going on out there. What I saw was a three foot sphere at ground level, floating a couple inches above the ground, suddenly, not suddenly, slowly, um, becoming visible, like phasing in, like a fade in. Um, and it was opaque and gray to my eyes. Someone else saw a different color of its surface. So I couldn't see inside. And I thought I thought to walk over and touch it because it was hovering there above the ground. It was a sphere. And it's like, where did that come from? Well, I think clearly it was a result of what our group had been doing the previous hours which is we sit and we do the meditate, the visualization, the CE5, the protocols, and we expect contact. And it sometimes comes in ways you don't expect. It's not just lights in the sky. There's stuff on the ground. Uh, our star friends have creative ways to reach out to us. And we were just sit there watching something we didn't expect. There's this sphere floating there, like I say, that materialized out of thin air. Uh, it stayed there for half an hour. One of the members of the group, as we're sitting there looking at it, and and whispering among ourselves, like, do you see that? Yeah, what color is it? What are you seeing? You know, I can't see inside. Do you hear anything? No, do you feel anything? Whatever, you know, talking about it. One of the members um, announced to the rest of the group, hey, I just had a telepathic message from the being inside of that, or one of the beings inside of that thing. And it told me that they are scientists who have come to Earth to study our human energy systems. And I thought, wow, that makes sense. I'm a scientist. And why are humans the only ones to be exploring and experimenting and traveling? They're doing the same thing. And the part of me that had been scared coming to Mount Shasta for that week and knowing I was going to make my own contact or hoping I would, that part just melted away. Because this happened in the most gentle way that for me was permissible and that I could take in, right? I was with other people. It didn't come on dramatically. There was no noise, no thunder, nothing. It just phased in. It's like, what? WTF? <laughs> what am I seeing? And um, we're getting telepathic messages, and it's hovering for half an hour. Nobody's scared. We're like, what is this? Well, next to me was standing a woman who I call Gloria, not her real name, who had become a friend during the week, a really good psychic, by the way. Uh, but she was standing next to me, and I turned to talk to her and to get her opinion on this thing. But here's the thing. She was standing there like stiff as a board with better posture than I've ever had, like this, you know. And her arms were out like this. I don't know how much you can see, like at right angles for the whole half hour, not moving, standing there. 
And I looked at her and I was getting ready to talk to her. Hey, Gloria. And I go, whoa, what's going on? I didn't want to disturb her because I knew something was going on, but I stuck next to her just in case something looked bad and I would be there to help her. So I was curious. After half an hour of this thing floating there, she got a little wobbly. And I think I steadied her and asked her her name and where she was and how she was feeling. Uh, she says, you know, I'm okay. I'm disoriented, but I'm fine. So my next question was, what happened? You've been standing there. Not even Navy SEALs can do that, you know, holding their arms. Maybe they can. I'm, I'm exaggerating. But but what you just did was really weird. <laughs> uh, harmless, but weird. What happened? And she said that she was approached telepathically by the being in that, I'll call it a craft, which, by the way, we believe was part of a larger craft that was not fully materialized in our dimension, but all we were seeing was the round part. Whether we're right about that, I don't know, but I know what we saw was the spherical part. That sucker was there for half an hour. Nine people saw it, 10 people. Um, so she, so Gloria says, the being inside that approached me telepathically and asked me, may I merge with you to study your energy? And you know, a lot of people, probably myself included, if that happened to me, would probably run the other direction with my hair on fire, you know, to my car, back to the motel room and cower under the bed. Um, she didn't do that. Uh, to her credit, she, what a class act. She negotiated with this being. Um, and again, this was all going on silently while we're all standing around. None of us knew this, but this is what she was experiencing. She said to the being, yes, you may do that, but under three conditions. Um, the first condition is that um, I stay aware of, of my surroundings. I don't want to be knocked out. And the being agreed to that. And her second condition was that you, the being, leave, unmerge when I tell you to leave. You know, time to go. I'm in charge. And the being said, okay. Her third condition, and uh, this is not a joke. She literally said, no probing. No touching my genitals. You know, I don't want any of that kind of stuff going on. And the being said, okay. So during that half hour that we were standing there, whatever that being was doing, they were doing it, studying interdimensionally, whatever, higher physics. I don't know what they were doing, but they were they were merged with Gloria. And at the point where she got wobbly is at the point where she told it, okay, I'm done. I'm finished. Go. And it went. So she finishes telling me her story, and I, then I watched that sphere, all of us did, start fading away, right back into the background like it had never been there, like a slow dissolve, like in a movie. No drama, none. And that was my experience, up close, personal, uh, unlike all my life where I had been told stories by people I trust of hovering UFOs. I even had a friend in the, in the, in the, in the desert years before who was in a car with four other women and they saw a mothership that put a tractor beam on their car and took control of their car on the road. And I trust this person implicitly. Um, and then it let them go. Didn't do anything else. But aside from people like that, who had told me these stories, suddenly I just had my story and I decided, uh, well, I can either suppress this um, or shout from a rooftop, do something be and I thought, I'm an ordinary person, and this just happened after meditating with a few people. Oh, my God, we anybody can do this. 
So I decided I wanted to organize people on the internet to do this on a monthly basis and build a community so that we would be um, examples of human beings that were friendly and welcoming and not going to shoot at them or, or whatever that uh, we believe that there were benevolent and that there are benevolent species out there uh, that want to interact with us. So I wanted to build that kind of community. And that's what's been happening actually the last 16 years, because this happened in 2006. So that one experience blew the physics I had in my mind, because what had just happened to me wasn't supposed to happen. And yet I was sober. We were cold. You know, there was no way we, we were all very alert and it happens. So it's like I said, it's what do you do with it? Uh, I have no idea. I'm not in contact with the other nine people. I don't know what they've done with that experience. But I went out and I said, other people need to be able to know this, that they can do it. And I'm going to do my best to, to put it out there and organize people and teach them and then have them teach somebody else. So we've created networks within networks within networks over those years of people having exper experiences as good as that one and even more dramatic. And I have one more story along those lines, if you have time. Well, I think you have a photo of a Pleiadian. Yes, can I you do. show that to us? Yeah, and I'll give you the backstory on that. In 2012, uh, my wife and I had been doing this contact for, at that point, six years. So we've been having all kinds of experiences. We met a human being who, a dear, who became a dear friend, a wonderful character of a woman who... Uh, quite openly said that she was a Pleiadian starseed. And to some of your audience, I'm sure that that will resonate. Other people may be hearing that for the first time. But it's a thing. There are thousands, maybe millions of people who who claim that. There are Facebook groups for that, other social media, starseeds, whatever. She was very open about it, Pleiades, and um, which is not uncommon in, in this field. The Pleiadians seem to be contacting a lot of people. She was one of them. She was one of them, according to her. And she would make us laugh because she would say that in the evenings, um, her father, her Pleiadian father, whom she called, and I'm probably mispronouncing this, Hirate, H-I-R-A-T-E, was a commander of a starship um, who was in our Earth space. And he would actually, he showed up for us when she told us he would on one particular night. Actually, it was my birthday in 2012, I think July 2nd, in our local group here in the Bay Area. She said he will show up at, towards the end of the night, right over the airport, maybe out in space, but there's an our airport and up in the sky, a brilliant flash happened. And then we watched it zigzagging, you know, and there are planes there that are coming in. And you know what, a, you know, a plane could just glide in. They're not going to zigzag with lights. The light would vary in intensity, brightness, and the pattern was zigzag 12, 13, 14 times. It would do that. Bop, 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 bop. I called her later the next day and I said, was that your father showing up? The, the Pleiadian and his ship? She goes, yeah, that was him. And her funny story was that, um, like many people, she was distressed at the um, kind of the ugly things that go on on earth and have for thousands of years you know wars bad behavior by humans and apparently she was a volunteer here but she told us that every night she would go up in her astral body uh, to the starship to her father and 
say to him often, they're freaking, that wasn't the word, but use your imagination. They're freaking crazy down there. Get me out of here. And he would say, they're there, there. You volunteered to go help. You're needed. Please go back. And she would always go back. Now, you can take that for what it is. It's a great story. We believed her. I know people that astral travel all the time, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that was her story. And that was kind of our joke. It's like, hey, Pam, you know, you're here. Get used to it. Uh, sadly, a few years later, she left us, uh, left her body anyway. Um, but there was a point at Mount Shasta where we were having a retreat. And she said, my father will show up that night again for you. Um, and the fact that the, that's, his starship had shown up for us in our local area made me um, expectant, anticipating like, oh, good. We're going to get another great group bonding experience of watching some gymnastics up there. There are lights in the sky, but hey, I'll take it. So I was waiting for that all night. Didn't happen. We had other sightings, a group of 30, 40 of us. But that didn't happen. And there I am dozing in my chair in the circle. It's a little cold. My wife, Hollis, is next to me. And I'm kind of a little bit disappointed. It's on towards midnight. And I'm going, okay, something came up. Hirate didn't show. And all of a sudden, from the middle of the circle, one of the gentlemen who was um, had a camera uh, on a tripod, who was taking pictures of what was going on in the sky, his voice in our direction said, Whoa, look, there, behind Hollis and Costa. And understand, it was pitch black. You know, their lights all turned out. We're on the edge of a forest. Um, I suddenly had been kind of almost dozing, disappointed. And he's going, look there, behind Hollis and Costa. I'm going, whoa, turn around, nothing but pitch black. I'm going, what is he seeing? Well, he's looking through the viewfinder of his camera that's pointing at us. It's on a tripod in the middle of this circle. And he says, come see this. So not only us, but the rest of the group, we lined up to look through the viewfinder. It was, it was the kind that flips out on the side, you know, standard thing. And we looked through the viewfinder, took turns of the camera, pointed at where my wife and I were sitting. You know, we're not in the chair anymore. We're in line. We go up there and in the viewfinder um, is a picture of what I'm about to show you. Whereas if you look above the viewfinder with your naked eye into that space, there's nothing but black there. And then if you look down in the viewfinder, there's this picture. You look up, it's black. You look down. So the camera captured what our physical eyes couldn't see. And I'm about to show you what that is. Let's see if this works. And while you're doing that, why do you think you couldn't see it, but the camera could? I have no idea. I'm, I'm not an optics expert. I, um, I don't know. Star people can play with frequencies in ways, you know, light frequencies and sound, whatever, that we can only imagine. And this is one of those cases where they made this appear on the viewfinder. Now, is this a picture of it? Of him. I mean, but it, was it moving? And this is just one image of it moving or was it standing still like this? This was a still camera. So it was just like that. Yeah. And every person saw it. Uh, we stood in line and we're all going, ooh, wow. Um, it's was almost like you're looking through a keyhole. So you're not seeing the holy, fully formed, uh, what, what is a body, because there's, you know, black areas in there. But 
everybody sees a little bit something different than what I might see or the next person. We can agree on some things. I believe the lower part here, the torso, it looks to me like he's wearing a vest, a jacket. It looks like, you know, the body. Right. Um, and then above it, there's a head. Right. And some people can see eyes and a mouth. I can't. I've tried. And above it, there's the, the little brown horn-looking things. Maybe that's an instrument of some kind, you know, a helmet, whatever. We don't know for sure. But the following day when I asked my friend Pam, was that picture your father? She goes, yeah, that was him. He showed up. So instead of showing up in the sky in a ship and wowing us with the light show, right, he shows up behind my wife and me because we'd had this conversation like, you know, he we, the promise had been made to us. And there that camera had been pointing at us and it was behind us. Was it a hologram? Is Was he physically present there and cloaking himself to our eyes, but not to the camera? I don't know. All I know is this is what you saw through the viewfinder. And if you shifted your eyes two inches up ab above the viewfinder, it's black space. And everybody saw the same thing. So we accept that this was a gift of um, uh, here I am. Now, even though it wasn't moving, were the lights pulsating or anything? No, no not that I saw. And I don't recall anybody else uh, talking about any kind of movement or any other kind of behavior. Um, if other people saw it, then they saw it. I'm, again, not in touch with people anymore. But this is what we saw. And this is still pretty remarkable to me. Um my friend in this who who took this on his camera sent this to me on my um, iPhone. He has a higher resolution version of this. This is just like iPhone six quality. You know, his camera may have been high end, mm -hmm. but this wasn't. Having said all that, this is still remarkable because it's like when you're there and that happens to you, you have to decide, am I mad? Am I crazy? What do I tell people? Wait a minute, I've got 30 other witnesses here seeing the same thing. So this is a thing. And um, what do we do with it? Well, what I'm doing with it is showing you and your audience that uh, occasionally uh, on camera, you can get an up close and personal uh, selfie of someone who allows you to do that. So that's Harate the Pleiadian. Costa. Recently, I had a guest, and we were talking about UFOs at Mount Shasta, and I think he believes that there is a base underground around the area. What are your thoughts on that? I can't prove that, but members of my group, when we've done retreats up there, have visited that base, have been invited, and they do that in their astral body. It's not like they get up and a beam shines down from above that picks them up and takes them there. During the meditation, after we do our contact thing, uh, I always do a debrief and ask people, well, what did you experience during our contact? And more than one person has said, well, I was invited by some beings uh, in my astral body. I was taken inside the mountain through the tunnels there underground. And it's not in our 3D reality, it's in higher frequencies. And there was a base. I saw lines of UFOs lined up. The beings talked to me, whatever. So there was a full-on narrative and a full-on description. And I'm left with, well, do I believe this person? In this case, I believe that person. Uh, 
And and this is why I understand when I tell these stories, why other people may say to me, why should I believe you? Because I have those same thoughts about so many people that come to me, some of whom I don't know, who tell me incredible stories. And all I can say is, I believe that you experienced this. Um, I couldn't prove it in a court of law. But what you just described to me, I've had two or three other people describe so independently from other parts of the world that you don't know each other. So I'm going with the the numbers here that this is a repeatable experience and that there may in fact be some truth to what you're telling me i'll let you go ahead data points you've been doing these ce5s for a long time and i've heard dr stephen greer talk about them has this stuff been going on before him or is he kind of the originator of this stuff he's the originator of the label ce5 um and um, and popularizing it from the early 90s onward. Preceding him, though, is a group called Rama, and they were a um, Latin America-based group that really uh, deliberately flew under the radar. They started in the 70s, and they had their own protocols and apparently lots of contact experience. They had quite a wide representation in the Latin American world. Uh, I have friends who, you know, were part of that movement, and they're still doing their thing. In fact, Rama has groups that go up to Mount Shasta. They'll camp out for two or three days. Um, they're more hardcore than I am. You know, they they camp. You know, me, I, I need a motel or a hotel, right? You know, my, my my comforts. But but that's not the point. The point is they have still have a thriving community. They make contact, and yes, they started in the seventies. Uh, doing this uh, on a large scale. Prior to them, there was the contactee movement of the 40s and 50s and 60s, groups of sm individuals who wrote the books that got all this started once, um, you know, Roswell happened and Kenneth Arnold had his sighting uh, in 47. Those early pioneers were writing books and boy, they took the brunt of the, 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 the ridicule back then because they were first ones coming out saying, I was aboard, I was aboard. There were some phonies, I think, but they started a movement that had thousands of people showing up at in Southern California at conventions and conferences outside in the desert. Uh, thousands of them came to hear the contactees by Giant Rock, and that's a place there. And in fact, Howard Hughes, the famous reclusive billionaire that some people may know, was somewhat into this at the time because he actually had an airstrip built so that his plane could come in uh, adjacent to this giant rock. This is the flat desert area. I mean, with nothing for miles around, but he built an, a landing strip so his plane could come in and he could be part of this uh, from what I'm told. Uh, so there were those people. So this did start 40s, 50s, 60s, and it's continuing now. Um, let me put it this way. Our people's disclosure movement, like I said, it's a million or more people. I can't even count them all. There's so many groups out there. In 2010, um, it, this people's disclosure movement was born. Uh, it came at a time when I addressed my star friends because I was in, thanks to my wife, in telepathic communication with them. I asked them at that time, uh, October 2010, maybe it was September, I said to them, you know, look, I've got a day job, got to pay the bills. I'm a consultant, got to do that, yada, yada. But I, I'm really excited about taking another step. And I asked them, is there anything I can do to help your bigger plans? 
I don't pretend to know what those plans are, how you plan to contact humanity, the stages, the phases, the steps, what you're doing. What can I do? Because I'm sure that you probably need the cooperation of some of us on the ground. So the answer came to me was build as many, create as many ET contact teams as possible in as many places as possible, as quickly as possible. And I went, okay, you know, I can do that. Got the internet. I can do that. And I said, uh, why, why? And their response was, we would like more human requests, more human free will who want to interact with us, to see us, to ask us. As more of these teams that you build ask us, we will literally show up in more cities, literally around the world, where more people will see us and will ask us even more to show up in more places and we'll show up in more places where more people will see us. They call this a virtuous circle, organic growth. That's a movement. So they were basically saying, start a movement. We'll do our part. You ask, we'll respond. It'll grow person by person siding by siding kind of thing. And I said, what's the end game to that? Uh, where, where are we going with all that? And they said, someday, so many people around the world will have seen us and believe in us uh, in a positive way that a tipping point will be reached after which no authority of any kind will be able to cover up our presence anymore. So in other words, the last 70 plus years where people have been waiting for a government, a premier uh whatever to hold a press conference and say disclosure it's happening it is real we've been lying to all of you you were all were right the last 70 years and we made you crazy we we killed you we uh institutionalized you we broke up your marriages we made you lose your jobs sorry about that um i don't think that's going to happen and not in that way anyway so the people's disclosure movement that the star people were talking about at that point was us taking our power back from waiting for those authorities of those previous 70 years that we're covering it up. They're basically saying, no, do it yourselves. It's a grassroots movement. One person at a time, a group at a time. Go from being a believer into being a knower. And there's nothing more powerful than people who are knowers, right? Who, who join in a community. So they said the tipping point would be reached. And lately they've told me that in 2019, three years now, that tipping point was reached. And I really want to leave that with your audience, that according to the star people I'm in contact with, and you don't have to believe me, check it out for yourself and your inner knowing, we reached that tipping point. So the future belongs to us, we the people. Disclosure, it's a people's disclosure. We've taken our power back and we're the ones that are driving the narrative now. And but additionally, my star friends said that they're joyous at how our movement has grown. And this is um, a quote, you have exceeded every expectation we had of you. And I don't mean, not me, but we, the movement. And they said, you are a snow, your movement is now a snowball rolling downhill that cannot be stopped. So I want everyone to drink that in. If in fact we are that, and there's millions of us, and money more to come, especially in the younger generations, who are going to positively be reaching out and forming relationships, which is what our, the star people want. We are driving a narrative that is um, a movement that is unlike anything in history. We are literally making cosmic history for Earth and allowing them to partner with us with their technologies, which they will offer to clean up our 
to clean up the problems we can't. We're responsible for what we can do. They're not gods. They're not going to do it for us, but they will assist. They'll co-create. They'll mentor. And they'll be there. So the promise they're holding out is you've got this movement. It's unstoppable. Someday full open contact will come on earth when we can all openly engage and free energy, all these medical technologies to do away with diseases. We have all this kind of stuff will be within our grasp because we will have made it happen. And that's the message I want to uh, leave people with is this is in our hands. It's a people's disclosure movement, not Costa's disclosure movement, people's. Um, everyone can be a cheerleader. I like to say that the center of this movement is everywhere. Wherever you are, you're the center. Build a team, encourage others to build teams. And we have those networks within networks within networks. We'll continue to grow and we're unstoppable. Um, that's what gets me up in the morning and, and makes me happy to uh, to be doing this. Costa, if people want to find out more about your ET contact and CE5 groups, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, I'm at Costa at ETLetstalk.com, uh, K-O-S-T-A at ETLetstalk.com. Um, mostly, I want people to register as free members at ETLetstalk.com. And you'll get announcements about our monthly worldwide virtual events. We've been doing those. We're now in our 13th year. And this is, you'll be part of that movement I was just talking about that's unstoppable, the snowball going downhill. Uh, we do that every month. Um, and of course, people can make contact any any time of the, the day or year or week that they want. But once a month, we at least get our groups together and uh, in a unified way, we do that. And you'll get announcements about that. There's also a map on the website where you can search to do, to, to find people that might be near you. Um, and there's webinars that we hold and, and other goodies. So, so yeah, just come to etletstalk.com, uh, sign up and, and join the community. This is, I think the most exciting thing in humanity's experience yet. Do you have anything coming up soon that you want people to know about? I have, uh, three retreats that I hold, which are in person. Uh, they will be hopefully in June of next year in Mount Shasta, California, and in July in Bloomington, Indiana, the heart of the Midwest where I'm from, and in October um, in Joshua Tree, Southern California. Um, I will be sending announcements about those to, to people who are registered on the website. So you'll get uh, plenty of information uh, about what, what, what those are like. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? You have the world at your fingertips. No one can make it better than you to quote a line from an old song by spirit and being part of engaging with cosmic, with galactic neighbors who are here because they've told us in many ways, they love us. Um, never mind some people who talk about negative experiences. There may have been negative races, but the thrust of evolution right now is the massive amount of light and love coming from these many civilizations that want us to have a breakthrough, not a breakdown. And we have that choice right now, but we have that world at our fingertips. And if you're a member of this, the younger generation, Gen Z and, and coming up, uh, this will be your world. Uh, you'll go to the stars. Um, and we are now daily with this movement trying to prepare the way. You know, 
we're, we're leading it. Costa, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. Thank you for having the time or giving me the time here to, to talk to your, to your peeps here, uh, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.